This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series, our show where I have a chat with a member of the Arsenal community about the ongoing current troubles, I suppose. I was going to say really good stuff, but I can't because, you know, the way that Arsenal is right now. I'm very happy to be joined by Turkish. How do you do, mate? You good? You well? Yeah, well, like I, like I said before the stream, Tom, mm. I, you know, if we'd done this show a couple of weeks ago, it would have been a very different mood, but a couple of games has changed it all and yeah. It's unfortunate, you know, I didn't think we would lose to Brighton, hence when we arranged this last week, I, thought, I would have thought we bounced back with a win and we'd be talking, yeah. I would be talking more confidently about the top four race, but we'll get into it anyway, I'm all good, how are you? Yeah, very good mate, uh, very good, so considering, as you say, the circumstances of the situation, it's uh, it's a frustration, uh, obviously we're going to go into a lot of that and more, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's frustrating is the word uh, I feel right now is really frustrated with the situation. Um, let's not waste any time and just kind of just throw at me your current kind of mood uh, right now around the club and where you're feeling about our current situation. It's an unfortunate end to what seemed like it was going to be a positive season. Now, you say I, now, ends now, right? You're saying ends for me. Yeah, yeah, in my opinion, I think I think. After the Brighton one in particular, you know, the Palace one, I, I had that, you know, doubt whether we could, you know, do it Monday night against Vieira, the added incentive. I actually predicted it'd be a draw, you know, obviously in hindsight, we definitely would have taken that. Mm. It wasn't that, but going into Brighton, I, I assumed would beat Brighton and I thought Villa would potentially take Saturn off Tottenham and then would be back to square one, let's say this week. Yeah. But in the end, we lost twice before Tottenham even played their next game. And then when they did... They handled business um, pretty early as well. And that's just, an, I guess that adds to the to the anger, the upset, the frustration, it being Tottenham, you know. Um, and obviously, we've got a North London derby to come. Yeah, it's an interesting one. All round, I think the decisions against Brighton in terms of the lineup and particular players in certain positions. Listen, once, Tom... I understand it, you know, learn from your mistakes. And, and and that once should have been last year around the Villarreal game when, you know, we'd done mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing and it cost us. Um, and in hindsight, it probably cost us Champions League football, potentially. 
again, potentially that's what's happened again with the same mistake. Um, I don't only look at the manager. I look off the field too. Um, I look at January window in particular. But I'm also looking at last summer where we signed particular players to add depth into certain positions. And then in those certain positions, one of them's not trusted. The other one's deemed not ready. You know, um, mm. up until this last week, in, in, in terms of the last two games, Tom, the summer transfer window from, from, last se- from last year, last summer, it was deemed by me as well a very, very strong window because it built a base, it built a foundation. Now, don't get me wrong, that's, you know, that hasn't changed 360 in, in, in just two games. What, what's happened is now it's, it's more of a good transfer window than what we thought was a great one. And you know me, Tom, over the years, I've I've maintained Cronkay and the ownership being the main problem and off the pitch and whatnot. And that's why when things like this happen, I know people might say knee-jerk, people might say, you know, someone like Turkish was waiting for it. Believe you me, I wasn't waiting for this. I would have loved nothing more than to make top four this season, whether you think it's ahead of schedule. I don't, but, you know, it is what it is. That's what we needed, in, in my opinion, to further expose this ownership because I believe they'll be content with top four like they was on the Venga. But that's another debate. So, yeah, in terms of my general mood, Tom, <laughs> um, I don't want to take up too much of the intro and whatnot because I know we're going to get into it. I've been, you know, I've, I've been watching your stuff for years. You, you pose good questions. Nice, um, we differ in opinion sometimes and we agree on a lot, you know, sometimes. So it'll be an interesting half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like you, I think, was frustrated if we're just focusing kind of the closed analysis on the last two games. Again, the frustrated with the repeated mistakes, um, the, the, the decision to put Granit Xhaka at left back when that was one of the big reasons why we got kicked out of European football last season when we used Xhaka there in the left back position away at Villarreal, um, sacrificing the quality in the central midfields, um, really hitting Nuno Tavares's confidence by dropping in from the side as well when he's your backup left back and now you're attacking the rest of the season with a player if you are going to put him back in having now had that confidence hit you know he's not going to be in the right frame of mind particularly you're absolutely right to, to point out the January window uh, I, I've maintained that since since that deadline day that we made errors and not bringing in a replacement for Aubameyang, I didn't too, I didn't have that much of a, a you know an issue with Aubameyang being moved on. You know, if, if that's what the manager wants to do, I'm, I've been calling for accountability in the squad for years and years and years. And if you're going to breach whatever the manager's laid out, then you face the consequences of that, in my view. But not bringing in a replacement to bring in those goals that we would have lost and have lost is, for me, probably the biggest reason why we we're not pressing ahead with a top four challenge. That that said, um, one of the things that I know that we disagreed on when you joined the chat box, I think it was for Lee Judge's show um, yeah. a couple of weeks back. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's the one of the things that sparked uh, me reaching out to each other chat because I knew it would be a good discussion about this, was about the idea of why we're in a top four race this season. Because obviously at the start of the season, the expectation from my end, and I can only speak for me and, and maybe some of the listeners that, that mirror that, is that, it was fifth, sixth. That's about where I thought Arsenal would finish this year. And to get back into European football as a minimum, and I don't count the Conference League when I yeah. say European football, because it's it's just not European football. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a route back into the Champions League as well, of course, as we know very all too well by now. Then getting into kind of a top four race, there's been something that which you pointed out in the chat box is that, you know, we're there 
because of and one of the factors one of the large factors being the disappointment of Manchester United and you know the early season disappointments I suppose if you would describe it of Tottenham before they you know kind of turn things around I personally think that that's harsh to describe it in that sense but I want to let you you know explain that point of view as to why you feel that is such a large factor in this there's various factors to it but yeah it is a big factor because Listen, I hold my hands up. At the beginning of the season, I didn't even think we'd be top six. You know, I thought that would be a struggle. Yeah. So to where we are now, of course, um, it's better than most of us expect this, this season, I think. I didn't. I don't think I met anyone in, at the start of the season predicting would make top four, let alone challenge for it. And in turn, with about, what, seven, eight, eight, nine games to go, um, we're there or thereabouts. And yeah, there's still a chance mathematically. But... Let's be honest, you know, Man United, everyone expected them to be doing better than they are now. And if they're doing better than they are now, they're not too far behind us. They'd be ahead of us. Um, Spurs Spurs is a funny one because I don't think people expected much of them, especially when they made that new no appointment. Mm. Um, obviously, they got Kane. They kept Kane, which was a massive, you know, which was a big thing in the summer because I've watched Arsenal Football Club move into a stadium and lose big players and tell mm. us we're losing these big players because we need to pay off the stadium. But then Spurs, from down the road, who have no history, haven't won anything, managed to build a stadium and then keep their, their, you know, their best player, their biggest player, refusing a 100 million offer, or 100 plus million offer, refusing to even entertain it, yeah. um, if, if we listen to Pep Guardiola. So even with Tottenham in the summer, the new no appointment, yeah, we all laughed at it, but they still made a, a big sign of ambition, let's say. So I, I assumed, you know, we'd be in a, in a tussle potentially for a top six position. Instead, we're in, we're in a tussle for top four. But this ain't me dissing where we are because we deserve credit for being where we are with such a young side. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, it, it is a big factor, Tom. And I think, you know, especially on that show when it's coming across in a live chat, it's very blunt. There's no oh, you know, depth Hence behind why it. I asked you on to, you know, flesh it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't get me wrong, if Man United are doing better and Tottenham are doing what we would have thought with Kane and Son's new contract mm-hmm. and so on, um, we'd still not be too far behind. And I guess, you know, based off of a summer where a lot of us doubted the quality of the signings and, and you know, the 50 million on Ben White, Ramsdale coming in, you know, mm. let, let's be honest, a lot of us, including myself, I had major doubts about it. You know, based off of all that, the, the young side... And Arteta, because you said January was a sticking point for you. It was definitely a yeah. sticking point for me. Yeah. But ever since the Arsenal um, draw to Burnley, nil-nil, Arteta and the squad have made us not forget January, but ignore January. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the right all, word. You know, all up until now. So I give the young side credit for being where they are. I'm not putting them down saying that if Man United and Tottenham were doing what they should be doing, we wouldn't necessarily be in a top four race. But mm-hmm. I'm giving them credit for for still achieving more than I thought they would. I guess achieving is the wrong word because we haven't achieved nothing, but in terms of developing, yeah, performing, developing the way they have. So, yeah, for me, it's a big factor. For me, it's a big factor, Tom. Um, And again, that factor plays a part in in my hope, belief, ambition for next season because if Tottenham are the ones to now go get top four, and it looks like, in my opinion, they will be, Conte... We know Conte is a top-class manager, yeah? We know that. If he gets Champions League money, he gets the support that, you know, he he, he will need, mm. then, God forbid, Tottenham are going to be a force. And then you have Man United who, 
have tried something, tried something, tried something. It hasn't worked each and every time. They're going to try something again. If Ten Hag comes in, yes, at, at first glance, it looks like, oof, they're serious now. But when Ronaldo, Sancho and Varane came in, everyone thought, oof, they're serious now. Similar to Di Maria, Falcao, Pogba, all of them, Jose Mourinho. Mm-hmm. So with Man United, it's a bit iffy. But if Ten Hag comes in and he does what he's been doing, you know, over at Ajax in a, in, in a bigger way at Man United, then they're going to be a force. Yeah. So I just think not making Champions League football this year for the money, I just don't want to be in a tournament to be in a tournament's sake. Like we was in Champions League how many years on end? And towards the end, it was just making it just to be in there and get mm-hmm. the money and just whatever happens, happens. I want to go back in there, get the money and hope that these Cronkays have actually changed their ways. So as much as I think it's a fact that this season that Man United Tottenham underachieving has played a part in us being where we are in the race and whatnot, I also think that next season it's going to play another part. Yeah, I think the the message that you left in the chat definitely and, and you highlighted there the context of which you can understand a full point needs to be fleshed out and I think you've done it. And I think that, you know, I I look at more of the reason why we're in a top four race is, is down to our own merit and, you know, how, you know, we've won so many games and we've turned some real things around. Like you look at the results against teams like Wolves and Aston Villa and Leicester, teams that we dropped ridiculous amounts of points to in, in the last few seasons. You know, you can see that progression there. You can see how many points we're better off this season compared to last. The changes in the transfer market. One thing I'm actually quite unclear on is is where your head is at with Arteta. Because, you know, is it a case of if we miss out on top four, that's enough of a reason to say we should look to change coach? Or is it top six? Or is it more so the face value that you make a judgment on whether or not he should move on or not? And the contract as well. You know what it is, Tom? I just don't see... Um, I'm going to go back to me always putting it to the Cronkies. I just don't see the sense yeah, yeah, in us continually going for managers, essentially giving the clean slate to the Cronkies again, when yeah. the reality is that they are the ones that held back every single one we've gone through in the past few years. Wenger, Emery, and now Arteta. I think, it's, you know what? You just said... The change in windows. Now, I would have thought that from the summer, but what January done is made me doubt that change. Because going into it, I think in the first few days, Arteta said something along the lines of, you can't miss a step in any window in this league. Arteta said that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's the direct quote, but he basically said, you can't afford to, you know, slip up in any transfer window, right? And then we went on to... We slipped up. (laughs) Exactly. So, so Arteta, for you know, the, his whole time here has said that the Cronkays have supported him, they backed him, he's been an advocate and, and whatnot. Cool. And it seemed like they have up until January where, Tom, talk to me. If a manager says that and then has the January window that we had, does that really make sense to you? Does that seem like it was in his hands? From my perspective of, you know, covering and following the window... It, it looked as if we were kind of, you know, going for this striker situation. The Vlaovic situation was there. Um, similar to, Loc- to the Locatelli situation in the summer before, clearly that player had his eyes set on on a move to Juventus and eventually that move materialised. I, I feel like if the opportunity to sign a striker was there and feasible and they felt that the profile of player was there and available, they would have got them. That's how I feel about that. That's not me saying oh, whether that's the right decision because I still think they should have had contingencies in place, you know, to move after someone at least for the next six months or someone who was a younger profile with more potential that still offered you more than Eddie and Ketia offers us for the last six months. 
I, I'm really conflicted on the Kroenke situation. And I remember when we last spoke, um, which I think was about a year ago on the channel, yeah, yeah. Um, I was very much on your side of things with get him out as soon as possible. Um, and because they're, you know, what's going on is not good enough and we need someone that's going to come in that's got more to care. In In that year, since we last spoke, it's been interesting to do... I think more of my own due diligence into kind of the research around what's happened since the 2018 full takeover, the kind of speak to a few people who were more in the know about kind of what happens with ownership of clubs. If you only have a, a partial kind of ownership, you know, the, the, not the majority, the majority shareholding that they had prior to, to fully buying things out. And whilst I have no doubt in my mind that Stan Kroenke couldn't give a toss about Arsenal football club in terms of what they achieve. And, despite him being a very good speaker in Josh Kroenke, there is still part of me that thinks that there is a bit of, you know, there's a lot more care from him, you know, than there is from Stan. And that there is an element of he wants to see the team go back and he's confident in also the regime that's currently here. There is efforts to be made to try and improve the relationship between them and the fans. I don't think they've been enough. I think more needs to be done. And I've been very critical about the fact that he wasn't at the last fans forum and he definitely should have been. Uh, and that was a missed opportunity. Yeah. But there's been stuff, you know, they've, they've done some stuff. I want to see more, but there's more than we have seen. Uh, I think Sophie raised the point from the hybrid squad talking about um, why would you invest in something that you're not a majority shareholder of, if you know what I mean? And I'll pitch that to you because I know that you're very passionate on this topic. So do you think it's enough of a, a reason? I don't use the word excuse because I hate that word, but, you know, a reason that they that they weren't say investing or they weren't say putting money in up until that point in 2018 and when people say they haven't put any money in i i do think there's there's a slight there's a slight inaccuracy in that claim because of what's happened recently with the refinancing which is what owners do you know it's what liverpool have done it's what spurs have done you know it's the ownership re refinancing of loans that is money that the club now owed like the same way that Chelsea owed money towards Roman Abramovich it's in the same sense that we now owe the, the Cronkies that money because of the refinancing is does that in your viewers like in your view of, of it see as as investment in the same way because we've still invested quite heavily in transfers yeah like I, I get the argument with the majority ownership and I, mm -hmm. I get the side that you wouldn't want to invest when you don't own but but at the same time would you want to would you want to then take over the business and every every year since it be a loss-making business because you haven't paid that due diligence during the majority ownership? That's, that that yeah. also doesn't make sense to me. And even not... Listen, Usman of now, it seemed like a very wise decision that we didn't go with, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. let's just say at the time, when none of this is happening, what's happening mm -hmm. now, at the time, he was a 30% shareholder and he wasn't even allowed on the board to have a say or give give his money in you know mm -hmm. essentially essentially he even came out and said i just want to you know give some money in and 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 improve arsenal i want to give it to wenger in particular now Kronke yeah. could have let that happen and and still be majority owner and allowed our club to at least you know you know carry on well not carry on because at that time he was in decline but mm. turn that decline around and start moving forwards so i'm not i'm not I don't know the ins and outs, and you've probably spoken to more knowledgeable people than 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 me on, on the subject. But outside looking in, I just feel like the majority ownership and only talking about 2018 to now also lets them off for a lot. 
Are, are we lit because they didn't want to invest because Usman have owned thirty percent? Are sure. we meant to fit? Are we meant to forgive them for that? Now, even since and the money we've spent, yes, we've spent money. Hundred percent, we spent more money than you know we we did before Everyone that. Last summer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But even last summer, we spent one hundred and fifty million, Tom. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I yeah. believe he put a hundred million debt back on the club, if I'm not mistaken. It's around the hundred million mark. Sure. So essentially, if you inc- and I, again, I don't know all the ins and outs, but mm-hmm. those two pieces of information to tell me we spent one hundred and fifty mil, but we also in debt another hundred mil. So did we? You know, people like to talk about net spend and all of this stuff. Well, do the net yeah, spend yeah, there yeah. and. It's closer to 50 mil. Now, again, I don't know all the ins and outs, but January happens. And you talk about the right profile of player. And people that, you know, talk about the right profile of player. I'll ask them about Tavares and Lukonga. Because if we're only going after the right profile of player, then surely our signings from last summer should be ready now to do a job when called upon. But they're not ready. So are we, are we signing players for the right profile? Or are we signing them that are not ready and hoping? Essentially, both arguments don't make sense together. So, you know, the the success of the window in Ramsdale, in Tomiyasu, in Odegaard, Ben White, the success of those players in terms of development and what they've showed on the pitch, yes, you know, it, it looks like a good, well, it is a good window because the majority of the, of the signings yeah, have yeah. settled in well. But then those two that have let it down and then the January window on top of that, forget Aubameyang for a sec because I'm with you on that. Sell him, cool, but replace mm-hmm. him. But mm-hmm. then if you have 70 mil, if Arsenal Football Club spent 150 mil last summer and then all of a sudden we've got 70 million to spend in January, Tom. Yeah. yeah. And then, cool, if I say, what's the, where's the plan B striker? People will say, oh, we didn't want to panic. Essentially, it wouldn't be panicking because I'll bring up Eddie and Lacazette's contracts ending and I'll say it wouldn't be panic if you're already proactively looking to replace them. You'd have a list ready. So you don't need to replace Oba in January, but replace Lacazette or Eddie all right, cool, we don't want to panic. We needed a midfielder. We also yeah, need yeah. other positions here and there. So if we had 70 million to spend, I'm not you. Tom, if you have the January window to sign a presenter for your channel, yeah, and you ask a guy on the first, second day of the month, I want you. And the guy, you know, he, he answers. Sometimes he doesn't answer. You're dubious about whether he wants it. Are you waiting all the way till the end of that window where you can sign a presenter? Or, or halfway through, are you going to tell him to make a decision and if not, move on. That Surely that's the sensible thing to do. It, you're right. It is the sensible thing. What I would say to play devil's advocate and in part also one of the reasons that I would give maybe why we didn't is because say that that presenter in this example is someone who can absolutely take you to the next level in terms of that position and that the other options that you could go for in the window in that position are just nowhere near the same level or that are just simply aren't gettable during the January window. The clubs aren't selling, or if they are selling, it's for a stupid fee that's not reflective of that player's, or that presenter in this case's quality, right? Um, I'm trying to stick with the analogy here. Um, But in regards to that movement, I can see why they waited, because there still was, you know, Juventus in in this case... Let's say, I don't know, uh, Harry Simeon, the Chronicles of Aguna, uh, is Juventus. And he's you know, going after this presenter uh, and they want to go to Harry and I don't blame him. But uh, <laughs> I, I look at that and I go, I can see why they waited. But if, if Harry was at this point ifing and erring in the analogy about it and they didn't know whether they're going to afford it now and then Arsenal really pushing hard, forced you know, Juve in this example to, to go and get Vlaovic, I... I understand why it took as long as it did. What I can't 
get my head around is that I know in this analogy that I would say need a presenter for the next six months, no matter what happens. Otherwise, I'm going to keep myself short and, you know, I'm not going to be able to produce as much as I want to produce. So I would have a contingency in place to getting a, a temporary option for those last six months um, that I need. And then in the summer can go after the marquee option that I want to go for. That's, that's why I think they waited. I think the issue, I don't think the issue was necessarily as long as they waited. I think it was more the issue around the contingencies that weren't there if they weren't to get their primary, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That argument only comes into the people that say, I did, you know, we didn't want them to panic. I just say, if you don't want them to panic, well, then, you know, give them a deadline and then, you know, sure. accordingly, adjust, adjust your, you know, go to your plan B's, yeah. plan C's and so on. And again, you don't even need to go plan B, C's in striker. Go to your plan A, B, C in midfield because we needed reinforcements there as well. If we have sure. 70 million to spend, Arsenal Football Club should and would have spent it, especially mm-hmm. after a manager the manager says that you can't afford to miss a window, especially when at the end of the season, that prize pot of, I don't know how much Champions League brings, but it must be over 100 mil. Oh, it's, that prize it's three pot, or four times more than Europa League, yeah. Yeah, so that prize pot, surely that's worth taking a risk for. But yeah. the Kronkes the are notorious for not taking risks in the right moments, but they wasn't full owners then. So the argument so you, just keeps well, on going do you think that it was? Do you think it was the owners this January that put the brakes on Arsenal being able to go after... Their contingencies, because for me, I put that I put that on Arteta and put that on Edu because I remember the press conference that Arteta did yeah, after yeah. the after it closed, where he said, "If we can't get the players that we want, we're not going to go and get them. If we don't think they're good enough, we aren't going to go and get them." So, yeah. which I understand and I like that mentality, but you can't, you know, cut your nose to spite your face. Like you need uh-huh. to have that backup, and that's the criticism. So that's. But I don't think I'd put that on the ownership because I feel like the money was there, as you say. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, no, but I don't feel the money was there. I just feel like it oh, was okay. all... Uh, for me, I don't even believe we really went in for Vladovich, I'll be honest with you. I think we just okay. let that kind of... Because I've seen it in the past, Tom. So mm. it's not like you oh, know, no, I'm, basing, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm basing it off nothing. I've seen it in the past, so I wouldn't be surprised again. But you're right. I remember Edu... I mean, Arteta actually said Edu had a fantastic window because it was Edu receiving the brunt of the criticism from January because Arteta seems to have a force field around him where any criticism is not allowed. But listen, like you said, if Arteta's taking... If Arteta's looking at that January window and saying himself, putting it on, I didn't find the right type of player, then Tavares and Lukonga, that question needs to be asked, Nad. These are your players. Yeah. So I, in a crucial I, point of the season, how can you do the Xhaka left back again? Not oh only no, I agree there. You've done it again, but yeah. you've got a backup left back. And you've done it again, but with Lukonga solo in the middle mm-hmm. instead of Partey, which is even weaker. So mm-hmm. it's madness to me that it's done twice, Tom. You know, And mm-hmm. then the side, like I said, there's, there's contradictions throughout because that would be a contradiction, right? Profile, not ready. It's, it's, it is it's not ready the right profile. <laughs> it's, I, I understand the point. I think... With Lukonga, I actually, weirdly, I thought Lukonga was probably our best midfielder up until he was dropped against Manchester United in the first half of the season. You know, I thought he started the season really, really strongly. He was really, really good in so many fixtures. I remember the Leicester game, the the Newcastle game, the Aston Villa game at home in particular. He really stood out in those games. The Watford game. Um, was it the Watford game? I think it might have been. Um, and you look at the, kind of those performances for the first half and you're thinking... 
don't drop this guy when Xhaka comes back because you know Xhaka's not been particularly great. He had a great North London derby, but besides that, and before the injury, you know he wasn't yeah. really offering too much. So when he dropped him for Xhaka in the game against Man United and then followed that up in the game against Everton as well, that was really disappointing. In the same way that Tavares never really got an opportunity to gain confidence back after the whole Nottingham Forest debacle. And again, he had performances in the first half of the season where he kept Tierney out of the team, even after Tierney had returned from his injury. He, he stuck with Tavares because you couldn't drop him because he was being that good. So I think actually, I don't think it's necessarily about that those two weren't good enough or that they're not ready. I actually think that Arteta's mistake is making them more vulnerable than they needed to be. He's made, you know, Tavares more vulnerable with the decision-making. He's made Lukonga vulnerable against Brighton by putting Xhaka at left-back and putting Lukonga in a situation where he's the lone pivot with only Martin Odegaard, you know, as your other midfielder that's not going to offer you any protection. So I think that's where the criticism of Arteta is, is absolutely fair and right. But... Again, for me, it's always going to fall back on January. Uh, just to tackle a couple of points in the chat box, and thanks yeah. for the donation, Josh. It says, Fella, uh, fellas, January compounded what I thought was personally a poor summer window. We didn't improve the midfield or attack from last season, and we renewed Xhaka's contract. Xhaka is a big stumbling block for me. Um, with with Xhaka, uh, and I'm, have you, I'm assuming you've watched his thing today. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, it's yeah. obviously it's a very interesting viewing. Um, you know, it hit me a bit. Talk, kind of talking about because we cover obviously abuse on the channel a lot um, and talking about that we did a big really good show of Harry yesterday if listeners you haven't checked it out please do um, I how did that make you feel when you were watching that when how, what was your reaction because obviously you know um, being on AFTV I suppose you know you can get brandished at times and I know that and you know I've said this live on the channel that a lot of effort has gone into you know really kind of changing the perception of AFTV of late as well and you know you're behind some of the really solid content that goes out there now but do you is there any kind of how I mean yeah I'll just start the straight question like how did you feel like watching what Xhaka was talking about you know what we talked about an AFTV earlier and mm. and again, I, I every time I talk about this, whether it's AFTV here or my channel in the next few days, I have to separate it out because, you know, the the the, the quotes and the comments about his kids, his wife, his personal yeah. life, that abuse, yeah, is not acceptable anywhere, no. anywhere. You know, like I said earlier, I don't think like I don't think I need to say that, but obviously in this day and age, if you're on camera, you need to say it. But, you know, yeah. it's a disgrace. And I'm completely against that. It shouldn't be happening. And like I said earlier, it's on the social media companies because there's nothing the fans or people can do or the players. There's, you know, the social media companies have to clamp down in some way, shape or form. I'm, I'm not them. I don't know how to do it. But they have to find something because it's not on. I, I get an awful lot of abuse over the years. And, I, like, you know, it just, it is what it is for me. I brush it off. But at points, you know, it does put you in a mood in terms mm -hmm. of, you know what, like, especially early days in YouTube, I'd be messaging people back, like, you know, whereabouts do you live? Are you local? And this and that. And it's just, you, know, you, <laughs> yeah. you get into it, you get into it. Yeah. Like, and, and I just, use, and I thought to myself, what's going on? Like, if I'm going to do this, I need to drop that yeah. mentality. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then it is what it is. So separate that out now. Mm. If I, if, if, like I said, disgrace, unacceptable. Everything else in that interview for me was well spun. Um, oh really okay yeah because like you said obviously what hit you was especially that type of abuse so I'm with you on that but the well-spun narrative for me is where there needs to be some accountability Tom similar to Josh Cronkay yeah it's all good and well saying 2018 to now or Xhaka saying you know um 
I want to be closer to the fans. But where is the accountability? We don't have it anywhere in the club. No one holds their hands up to their part to play or their mistakes. Yeah. Now, again, I have to put the abuse to the side and that. Mm-hmm. But there's sentences in there. For example, one sentence in particular was... Um, about the red yellow cards as well. That was a strange one for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he said others when he when he was talking about others get reds, others get yellows, and at the end he was Mm -hmm. like, But mine get a big story. Essentially it's like no accountability. Yeah. yeah. You know, he said, um I had my notes somewhere earlier. I actually brought notes down because I did the video earlier, but he said something along the lines of Yeah, he gets red cards, that's him. I don't care to be honest, or, or something along those lines, and I, and I just think to myself, but you know, like I, I get that. I guess people are going to give him credit, Tom, for being honest. He doesn't care, mm-hmm. but as a fan of the club that you play for, surely you want him to care that these decisions are costing us at times. I'm not saying he's the pinnacle of our decline. He's been a part of it, a big part of it, but there's been other players all, over the years that have played a part in that. So a bit of accountability amongst amongst you know the commentary about his feelings and about the connection. I think that would have helped bridge the gap more for me. But yeah. for me, the interview was pretty. It was hard hitting in one aspect, but in another aspect, a missed it, opportunity maybe. And yeah, a very big missed opportunity because this season in particular at games. Because he talked an awful lot about, you know, the games, the atmosphere, the fans, mm-hmm. especially in that moment. This season in particular, it's been very different, home and away. And he's seen that because he's come over to the fans. Every time I've gone, he's come over and he's been a part of either the celebration or, you know, well, a few of the losses he was part of. I don't, I don't know what you call that. but So it would have been nice for him to bridge that gap and say, but things are changing and, you know, apologies for not apologies he, uh, I guess you don't apologize for for, for I'm not even himself, saying I suppose what he's going to say like yeah you know yeah. where he talked about you know he said that cards are part of his game um you know I was trying to find the quote as well he says um listen the cards have always been part of my game there were there were they were in Germany too remember the 50-50s I'm all in and it's the same in training if I elbow a player I'll be the first one to say I'm sorry but a tackle come on guys this is not ballet and yeah. That was a really strange one. Um, and I think you're right to separate up parts of the interview. Like you can talk about the, the separate parts without, you know, you can talk critically about the, what he's spoken about in regards to cards whilst also, you know, condemning the, the abuse. It's important that you separate them. And I agreed with you that that part of the interview frustrated me because, you know, there's an opportunity there to say, you know, I get a lot of cards and a lot of them, whilst we moan about, you know, how Arsenal are treated and sometimes the behaviour profiling that goes on with some of our players and Xhaka definitely is a victim of that. We saw that with the yellow card against Villa where, you know, Andrew Madley pointed to three fouls and he hadn't even made one on the entire game. It clearly happens. But, you know, there are moments of um, red-headed, hot-headedness, sorry. And there are moments where he loses it or, you know, he makes a, a, a silly challenge or a silly foul. And... It's cost Arsenal and it's cost us in, in crucial moments. So I agree with you that there was a missed opportunity there to take responsibility for that and say, because all he had to say really was, look, I, I take responsibility for those mistakes. Because they are, if you get a red card, nine out of 10 times, unless it's the wrong decision, it's a mistake. And yeah, you're right in saying that he didn't take ownership of that. The interesting point I think that uh, was made by the Super Chat was, was talking about kind of, you know, we need to upgrade and move on. 
and it seems like he's going to stay as well. You know, from what you're saying, he wants to achieve something special. My worry is, like we saw in the summer, that if he stays, you know, that gives there's a not an excuse, but you know, a reason to not go and and sign that midfielder that we need. Are you uh-huh. concerned that that will happen? Uh, Tom, I'm always concerned going into Cancho <laughs> windows. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. always concerned. Um, listen, but we don't know anything. I don't know anything. You know, I thought the 2019 summer, uh, like a lot of us, was a very, very good summer. Pepe, Tierney, Martinelli, um, Saliba, and so, I, I think one or two more. Um, and we went Did on to Luis? finish eight. Yeah, in? I think yeah. near the end maybe. But we went on yeah. to finish eighth twice. Yeah. So what do I know? This summer. <laughs> yeah. You know, this summer just gone, I thought it wasn't a good window. Essentially, it was definitely, it looks better than that window in 2019. So I, I, I've just got to leave it to them. But at the same time, you like you said, Jacker in that interview um, that got released, he, he, he mentioned Arteta's um, role to play in, in helping him stay at the club. That situation kind of happened again in the summer with the Roma links and then he gets a new contract. Mm-hmm. At that time, I thought, we're finally moving on from him and, you know, it's best for both parties. But then the turnaround didn't really make sense to me because I asked myself, did Xhaka want to leave and that's why it was happening? Or did Arteta want to sell him and that's why it was happening? Because in the end, to sign a contract off the back of that, it, ju- it was just a, a wild turnaround. But this summer, until last few weeks, a lot of people assumed we were selling him this summer. I personally don't know. I, I, I don't sit on either side of the fence. I don't know if we're going to sell him. I don't know if we're going to keep him. I, I don't really see any, you know, rumours either way or any strong links either way. But you're right, actually. When he meant, actually, I'm going to lean towards he's staying because you're right. That comment he said in the interview about achieving something, he's staying, cool. Yeah. But we've got to upgrade. We've got to mm-hmm. upgrade because for years, listen, the he's a 28, 29-year-old central midfielder, yeah? Yeah. He's just been pushed up like to a more of a what number do you call it? A six, let's say. Yeah, in, six eight kind of hybrid yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah, in, in recent weeks. I, and I guess he's avoided the drama in that role and he's added something to the game. I'm not saying mm. I'm not gonna say he's good in that role because that role you need a bit better. Again. It's tailor made for a different player without a shadow of a doubt. Exactly. So for all those years he was central midfielder for us in a different role. It's like all of a sudden now at 28, 29, your 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 role's been changed. Mm-hmm. So is that so surely that that number six, number eight position, surely Arteta has other plans for that. You know, yeah. I, I I don't see it being you know he goes in. I I, I probably see more Partey being first option, Xhaka being Partey's backup, and then yeah. we have a yeah we have a. Six. And I think even Lukonga, like Lukonga, talks about himself as being more of an eight, like you know, and that's why I was so frustrated seeing him in the lone six role is because. He's good at progressing the ball. He wants to push the ball forwards. He, he's good at on the ball. The amount of times he dribbled through the Brighton team at the weekend, you know, there were some really impressive ways in which he dribbled forwards and forced problems. Yeah. That's what he's good at, and that's what he needs to be allowed to flourish with. But put him in that sixth row, and he just, he just doesn't. But I agree with you, and I look again, and it's ironic that we talk about Man City and the parallels between what Arteta is trying to achieve and what we see. And you see that he obviously operates Pep with either Rodrigo or Fernandinho kind of playing in that sole option. And then on the left-hand side, you either have Ilkay Gundogan, who is, you know, is certainly, and you see that especially last season, getting forward, scoring goals, getting in the box, or Bernardo Silva, who again is another, you know, forward-thinking player. Yeah. With Kevin De Bruyne playing where Martin Odegaard is playing for us right now. So I think you're right that that it points towards that shift to the four-three-three that we would go for a more attacking 
option. Uh-huh. I personally don't think Smith Rowe is right to play that role. I think yeah. you either play Smith Rowe as a an out and out ten if you want to put him centrally, or you keep him on the left. Or I think you know he's flourished and really added goals to his game. So I, I get frustrated when he tries to do that because I just don't think that role is made for him at all. Um, just want to pick up on this and the Yanis who sells only two Arsenal content creators I watch I find it very hard to think about Arsenal let alone talk about them so props to the both of you uh, after the next transfer window will we finally have enough depth and quality because the depth has been what's lacking Turkish it's been when we when we've lost players as we have done now it's costing us top four you know yeah. Tommy Asu not being here Partey not being here Kieran Tini not being there and the mistakes made in trying to replace them through unorthodox methods because he's not happy with Tavares or not happy with whoever else he wants to put in midfield, it's yeah. costing us. So is there any confidence based upon what you saw in the summer and in January, on the lack of in January, that you know that we will add the necessary quality and depth? What was that question? Is there anything I saw in January that makes me think that? Well, just after the next transfer window, do you think we'll finally have enough depth and quality? But just, you know, based upon the experiences that we've had in the last two okay. windows. Yeah, yeah. A big up Yanis as well. He's, he's, well, I haven't done much solo vids recently, but he's always on the channel <laughs> as well. So I love my guy. Um, it's a mix. We need depth, 100%. But that, I think the depth now has to come from within. By some of the first team players next season might need to become options off the bench. Mm-hmm. I just talked about Xhaka potentially being one of those in the middle because we need to upgrade on someone. Emil Smith-Rowe could be another one, for example. I think we need two strikers in the summer. So one of them would be it would be depth. Um, so I think we need, it's a mix of depth, quality and experience that we need. Because with Tierney injured and uh, you know a history of injuries, with Lacazette going, because he, he looks like he's going to go, Xhaka mm-hmm. is the one left with the experience, his age, you know, but not all experience is good experience. And, you know, his time at the club is debatable. Uh, maybe in the back room he's loved, but on the pitch he's not the right type of experience because we've seen it, you know, I've seen it. So we need a mix of, of quality now because we've got a lot of young players that, you know, this season have really kicked on the pressure and the burden that's been put on their shoulders. They've... they've um, They've lit up under it, you know, and it's yeah. not often you see that from one or two youngsters in pressure cooker situations, let alone the the three we're seeing it from in Martinelli, Smith, Rowe and Saka over the season. Odegaard's young, he's just come in, he's another one and so on. There's, it's a young squad, younger squad in the league, youngest manager, all of that. Um, but I think we need three, probably three. The Tierney one's debatable, and and yeah. and Lee said I think there's to me, there's a debate the, to be had there. To be fair, yeah, Lee said it. The other, was it last night to me? Lee said. We, you know, we might need to look uh, and get a first choice left back and have Tierney fight for the position. And, and you know, Tierney's my candidate for captain, but mm-hmm. that injury really, because as soon as I said it, when the captaincy become available, everyone's argument was he's always injured. He yeah. didn't get injured all of this season up until this point and then bang. And it's just like, would you make him Well, he captain? had that injury at the start, didn't he, which Tavares got in on, so... Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm, ever since Oba got stripped Longer. of the captaincy, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was in there and he was always consistent. Um so, yeah, I think a, a striker, first team, a central mm. midfielder slash, you know, whatever it is, eight, six, whatever to sure. replace Jack, that needs to come in. And potentially a left back. Um, potentially a left back. Obviously, I hope Saliba comes back in too because that's depth. Yeah. That's ready-made depth. Mm-hmm. And then you start looking better because if Tierney's fighting for the position, if Jack is back up to Partey and whoever we bring in, if, 
we have two strikers, a different profile, and one's, you know, on the bench. It looks a whole lot better. Emil Smith-Rowe on the bench amongst them. We've looked at our bench sometimes this season, Tom, and just been... We've argued amongst ourselves whether yeah. Eddie comes on or Pepe comes on. And the argument's always the same. Is it Eddie or Pepe? Or is it Pepe or Smith-Rowe? Mm-hmm. That's, that's been our debt for all season. And it, yeah, I, I, the opportunity's there. But again, with, without Champions League football and that money, I doubt Arteta's going to get the, the, the right profile that he really wants. Speaking of the manager, because um, I still I feel like I still haven't got my head around your, your viewpoint on him yet. If you if you finish in the top four, is it a new contract? If we finish outside the top four, where do you sit? What does it take for you to say no? I think we need to change. If he finishes top four, I'd say I'd say contract. Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. say if he finishes top four contract, you don't go too long term with it. You still you know leave some room in there for Two him year to extension. fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Would he have a year left in the summer, Tom? Yeah. Okay, cool. Finishing out of top four, going going this close and not only going this close, but being unable to seize the opportunity. And I'm always going to look around us and say that it was our opportunity to seize this time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really let me down. Do what do we do in the summer? This is a it's a funny question for me with Arteta because I don't think he's good enough to ever take us to a league title, Tom. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but the the evidence of that yet, no, exactly. But at the same time, I believe he could he could leave at the right time or be replaced at the right time that allow us to look back at his time and say that guy helped because he cleared our deck. He you know got rid of the egos and he 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 brought in good young players and then the next manager built on it. That's still you know you still look back at that as good. Mm -hmm. I'm closer to that now, but at the same time, last year as soon as Conte left Inter. I said, off the back of that Villarreal defeat and now Conte leaving Inter, a big club mm-hmm. that really wants to change their ways off the back of this Super League nonsense, off the back of ignoring fans for years, year on end, you'd bring in Conte. He's proven yeah. you support him as a manager and you know, you know as a fan, if he's not getting supported, if he's not getting what he wants, if there's something to open up on, He's going to open up on it. He did it at Tottenham in Jan- was it mm. January or February. He, I think he, before that. I think it was within weeks of him taking over. Yeah. 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 And then he had that, he flipped in January when he, they went on that. They lost three, they, they beat City and then they lost to Burnley. And then he just yeah. flipped. He basically said, me or, me or them. Like, I don't know. Ever since then, Tottenham have lost one game to United. That, you know, that's what Conte brings. It's mm. either going to, he's going to go all in with it. As a fan, you can trust him. He wants to win. He wants to win and he's going to do everything he can to get what he wants to win. I don't get that feeling with Arteta. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't get that feeling with any manager in the world aside from Pep, Klopp, Conte and Simeone. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's any manager that I know will come in 100%. I can support them because I know they, they are demanding success as much as us fans. So this season, we haven't got that manager available in the transfer window. There isn't a Conte out there. There isn't a Pep or Klopp. There isn't a Simeone. So, I don't know what we do with Arteta. Like, if anything, uh, yeah, I don't know, Tom. If mm. anything, you, you probably... <sighs> I'd like I've the chat said, to... I've said you don't renew. If you don't get top four, yeah, you don't oh, renew. 100%. 100% yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't renew. Yeah, yeah. You don't renew. And you, you potentially see what go. But again, Tom, that's me, that's me essentially saying, let's risk another season. Mm. How many seasons have we risked and... F- Part of my language, but I've not effed up in. Let me say, F sure. how many seasons have we risked and <laughs> yeah, effed yeah. up in? You know, 
I, I'm tired of taking these risks. I want to I want to go into a season, yeah, just charged. I want to go into a season with my chest out. I don't want my chest to come away, come out mid-season. I want to go in as an Arsenal fan. When's the last time, Tom, we really went into a season as a family? Oh, wow. Believing. Believing. Mm. It's been oh, it's been you, a hell you, of a long time. You're talking Henri era. Like that's that's the you're talking, you know, Wenger Golden years, the last, the last year that we that you really went in thinking, you know, we're gonna push for the title this year. Um yeah. It's been yeah twenty twenty nearly twenty years um, since that happened. So, do you think that do you think that Arteta could make signings in the summer? Say what you said there about the players that you wanted. So you know we get that marquee striker, whoever it is. I don't have to put a name on it. Um, we get that midfielder. You know, genuine world class talent that that comes in in the summer. Uh, we sign someone as depth to or competition for Tierney. Maybe we we sign another centre back if say Rob Holding moves on. Um, you know, we we bring in maybe competition for Tommy Asu because of his injury issues at right back. We bring in a, maybe a wide forward on top of it, like we'd be linked to the likes of Cody Gakpo, who I'd really rate, and you know, he's someone I think would would do wonders. But is is that enough to to give you confidence? Not that we challenge for a title because I still think that's unrealistic at this stage, but that you know we would be pushing ahead with you know the manager making the correct decisions in the market and something to you know get behind. Well, I guess I guess you're asking me if they do everything I need them to do, would I support mm. it? Of course, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we have no divine right to win the league. I keep on saying this. I'm not saying go and win the league. What I'm saying to this, these owners and this, you know, this club and the people inside, it's it's time to get us back to challenging. Show we want mission. we yeah. want the emotion of of being you know in a race, not a top four race. Let's be honest. As much as we've enjoyed that part, what seemed like a, a top four race, and we're going to potentially get there. A lot, a lot of the young fans haven't seen a title race to know that feeling, whereas I have. So I want that race back. It, essentially, that race is far off, but that's what I want back. And I want the club not to miss a window. Our manager said it. I think we can't afford to miss a, miss a window. We have done in January, but, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, we January window might come up again next season. Because if Conte gets Champions League with Spurs, again, I'm going to look at January and say, well, he brought two players in, mm-hmm. you know, and their yep. fan base was still not happy, Tom. The majority of Tottenham fans I spoke to were still not happy because they didn't address the fullback area. Mm-hmm. But they brought in two players. And guess what? Kulisevsky was third choice on their list. They wanted Diaz. It yeah. didn't happen. They wanted Triori. It didn't happen. They got the third choice in their list and he's added something to the race. So for, so for me... If we do what I want us to do in the summer, of course, especially with players that are intriguing, exciting, players that I potentially want at the football club, I'm going to get behind it. But at the same time, January will come and it'll be another chance for them to do it again. I can't, we can't rest on our laurels with these owners and, and, and allow them windows to, you know. It, it, for me, there's a balance. There's a balance between if you love Arteta and you support Arteta, put pressure on the owners to make mm-hmm. sure your man gets to the place you want him to be. If you don't like Arteta and you don't want him to be at the club, put pressure on the owners because they're the ones that brought him here. They're the ones that can make that decision. Either way, either camp. That's why I don't get why we, we're not united on the Cronkay front <laughs> yeah, enough. Because yeah. either camp can actually agree on this. But we don't agree because it's just, uh, yeah, it's madness. Well, yeah, that's, I think that's the, a good place to round off the conversation is is where do you see kind of the, the perception of the fan base right now? How do you see the fan base? How do you see the... Because, I mean, I wrote a piece the other day about 
it's after Brighton, it was ugly. You know, the scenes, the the clashes, the the different ends of the spectrum, um, the things that were said, the things that weren't said in some cases. Um, what do you make of where the Arsenal fan base is right now? Do you know what? I actually don't know what you're talking about there, you know, uh, with mm. the Brighton stuff. I, I, have, I haven't, because I, I, yeah, I actually really. don't go on social media much, funnily <laughs> enough. Lucky thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I choose to ignore it, man, you know, getting caught yeah. up in all that. So I actually don't know what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's unfortunate to hear that, but majority of this season, well, all of this season, I think the fan base mm. deserve an awful lot of credit, especially the match-going fans that have turned around the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Like the club asked, you know, f- positive fans asked, for you know the atmosphere to be up for us to really get behind, and I think the fans have done that throughout the season. Um, but I still think some of the standards are still they're not matching up. They're not matching yeah. up, you know. Um, and that's yeah. And and it's in a it's in a much listen. Arteta came in and he said, number one, the fans need to connect back to the club, and we need to you know get them believing in a sense again. I think he's gone a long way to improving that. 100% and he deserves a lot like I said if, if he moves on and mm. another manager takes over and builds and then we achieve success I think we can look back at this period and, and you know be grateful because of things like that but you know it's, yeah it's, it's, it's essentially I just it's a massive if and, yeah. and that's what the fan base is full of ifs mm. I'd rather deal with the now and try and apply the pressure as much as I can and I'm not saying I'm doing the most I can because I've got mm. a life to live too I've got a son to look after and so on yeah. you know but uh, Every time I speak, people are like, "Oh, Turkey's bought a Cronkay." I'm always going to bring up Cronkay, always because I don't think not enough. Pe- I don't think enough people bring him up, so I'm always going to because I believe every situation that you can bring to the plate, Tom, mm. I can bring it back to Cronkay because it all goes back to him. Yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with you. I think that you know, you look at what happens at a football club, and it's always going to go back to the owner because if the owner was mm-hmm. applying pressure, if the owner was more demanding, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you know. You would see the evidence of that if, if say, Josh Kroenke had the mentality, you know, to turn around and say, "Why didn't we sign someone in January or before the end of the window? We're not getting a striker." And then Arteta goes, "Or we can't find, um, you know, the players that are out there. They're not good enough, or that we don't deem them good enough." You know, you you'd want the person overseeing things to go, "Well, find someone because if we don't bring anyone in, we're going to be in trouble." So, yeah. and sometimes you need that. So, and maybe that's why not having a sporting director. I know we've got a technical director in Edu, but they're very much in line. You know, Edu's not in charge of Arteta. They're very much on a level playing field. And maybe that's that extra additional too much power is is a bad thing. I mean, we saw that at the end of the Arsene Wenger era. You know, it's, it's one person with too much power in too many different departments. And, you know, when we started to move away from that, I thought it was going to move into a good direction. Unfortunately, you know, we picked the right, wrong person in Raul Sanya here, in my opinion. In my opinion. So uh, it failed. But. It, it's it's that extra demand that we need, and, and I think you're right. And I hope that Josh does that. And if he, if he's if he genuinely is, as he says, you know, intent on seeing Arsenal return to being an invincible club, as as he spoke about during the Super Bowl period, then you'd expect him to be more demanding. You'd hope he would be more demanding. We don't know, obviously, what goes on behind the scenes exactly, but you'd hope so. But the evidence is that that hasn't happened as much as we would like it to. Um, I don't want to ignore Jashar's super chat, uh, who yes, says yeah. the Ramsdale and White money should have been used towards improving the midfield and attack. And I felt that those signings were to recover the Arteta mistakes made previously on Emmy and Saliba. Um, 
I, I personally slightly disagree with that, Jashar. What I would say is that we've always need to bring in a top quality centre back. Uh, I think White has had a really solid season from my perspective. I've really enjoyed seeing what he's brought to the team. I think it's changed the way we play out from the back and what we do with our centre backs. What I would say is that the way in which we handled the Saliba situation certainly wasn't good. And maybe we could have benefited from him sooner if we'd have sorted out a loan uh, at the beginning of the 2020-21 season. I think it was that season. Yeah, I think it was. Um, yeah. The 2021 season when, yeah, whatever happened during that year, uh, we messed it up. But uh, I think he's benefited now and hopefully he comes back. Regarding Ramsdale, yeah, I think we got a better keeper in the end of, the, uh, of it, to be honest. Um, I, I prefer Ramsdale to Emi Martinez. It's just my view. Any final thoughts on that before we wrap up, Turkish? Oh, I, I understand Jashar's point. I think Ramsdale's mm. for me out of the two. I think Ramsdale signing is the more the more integral, and I think we, mm-hmm. we could have we could have coped without the White signing had we had to spend the fifty million elsewhere. But I agree with you. White has added to the game, and hopefully Saliba comes back, and they're all competing for it, which should push them on more. And and yeah, um, but I understand what you mean because. We all knew we needed an upgrade in midfield. We all knew mm-hmm. we needed a, a striker in to, to you know, be a threat to Oba and improvement on Laka and Eddie. In the end, those two positions kind of come back to bite us also along with, with the left-back situation. But that's why we're going to look back and say we should have spent the money in the positions we really needed to spend in. Yeah, and I think that this summer coming up is going to prove or disprove you know, a lot of points about what we see. Because at the end of the day, Wherever we finish, the reality is I don't think Arteta is going to go anywhere. I think he'll still be here. I think that yep. we pretty much all can make peace with that. Um, but it's going to be about what we do and how we react to whatever happens at the end of the season. Turkish, thank you so much, mate, for taking time this evening to have a chat. Always a pleasure. And uh, yeah. tell people where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. No worries, man. Um, Turkish LDN, YouTube, um, Twitter. Not that I use it much. Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's Turkish LDN, all platforms. And yeah, all I really do these days is the big six and do my content on AFTV. Um, I see a lot of people, familiar faces in the chat, love for the love people. And yeah, appreciate it, Tom. It's always a good chat anyway. We'll do this more often. Um, yeah, you got absolutely. my number now anyway. So yeah, that's the best way to contact. So all good. There you go. Yeah. Communication established. Love it. Um, yeah. And uh, you'll see Turkish back on the show, I'm sure, very soon. But thank you again, mate. Really appreciate your time. Um, thank you for listening. Guys behind the scenes, really appreciate your time as well. Do drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed it and subscribe if you're new and make sure you check out Turkish's stuff over on AFTV. We will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. <laughs>Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.